What do virtual reality, obsessive devotion, and a billionaire have to do with spiritual formation? Join Meshach Canyon and I as we continue our discussion about Wade Watts and how his devotion to James Halliday can inspire us in our apprenticeship to Jesus. Welcome to Fiction That Forms Us, stories that inspire us and practices that help us change, a podcast where we explore life-changing stories with characters whose journeys give us a vision for a better way of life. Through God's invitation and grace to practice spiritual disciplines, we can journey toward becoming fully human like Jesus as we live in the kingdom of God in the here and now. I'm your host, Christy Lahoda, and today we'll be continuing our discussion on the character Wade Watts from the book Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. In the last episode, we learned about Wade's obsessive pursuit of the Easter eggs within the Oasis to win the contest. Today, we will talk about how being a disciple of Christ is more than simply reading and studying the Bible. It's studying, knowing, and following Jesus with the same dedication that Wade used to study, know, and follow James Halliday. I'm joined again by my friend Meshach Canyon, Senior Pastor at Church of the Savior United Methodist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Meshach loves watching movies and spending time with his wife and five growing kids whom he loves. And now, let's continue our chat. Fiction That Forms Us is reaching listeners all around the globe, and we are so thankful for all of you. We would greatly appreciate it if you would spare a few minutes of your time and give us an honest rating and review on the platform through which you listen. When you star and write a review, it helps others find our podcast. And now, on to the interview. We're continuing our conversation about Ready Player One. Let's talk about how Wade Watts and all of his growth can teach us about ourselves and our own spiritual journeys into Christ-likeness. Yeah, you know, I think starting with a vision, that's that's what really changed the the flow of his life, is James Holiday died. And he announced there's a hunt for buried hidden treasure in the oasis. And with that announcement, I think Wade got a vision that my life doesn't have to continue along this trajectory, but it can change if I find this treasure. And I think, you know, vision is so important. It, it seems like kind of a, a self-help personal development thing that doesn't really have any substance to it. But it is really important to to begin with a strong vision that takes a hold of your life, because once that's there, man, you're you're willing to go through the, the mud, crawl through glass to become the kind of person that you want to become. Uh, so that's the first thing that that I saw in him is that vision kind of gripped him. It really took a hold of of his life in such a way that his life was now focused in one direction towards one goal and having that vision then changed the things that he did. He used his time differently um, because the vision was so uh, powerful in his life. And I, that has to be the case for us too, regardless of the field, regardless of the religion, regardless of the experiences, if you want to become something, you got to have a vision that's just, you close your eyes and you can still see it. It has to be that powerful enough to get you out of bed in the morning and aim your life to do certain things to slowly and incrementally become what you can envision. Right. Mm -hmm. Now 
Did you ever meet Dallas Willard? No, unfortunately. Okay, so our friend whom we've never met, Dallas Willard, wrote about the way life works, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he called it VEM, right? Vision, intention, yes. means. And yeah. so I've been thinking a lot about VEM. And actually, with this podcast, the whole idea kind of revolves around that. Um, okay. That we have to have a vision. And so we can get that vision through these novels that we read, you know, we read something really inspirational and like, oh, this character, you know, even though they're not an actual person, but this character did this thing or, you know, grew in this way. And I want that, too. And then we need to intend to do it. Right. So the vision can get us out of the bed in the morning, but do we act upon it? And then we need to have the means to be able to do it. So I'm really, really glad you mentioned vision. Yeah. The Vim formula. That's right. Vision often. Well, and I think all three, but vision really takes imagination, right? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. There, there's a, I can't remember who said it, but there's a quote that, if you want to essentially take sailors on a trip or something like that, or get them to build a boat, don't begin by telling them like, you go collect the wood, you do the hammering, you do all this stuff. But it says, teach them to long for the immensity of the sea. Hmm. And once they have this vision of what it's like to sail the seas with all the, uh, the honor and the grandeur that accompanies it, then building a boat is going to be like easy because their vision of life is on the ocean. So they're going to do whatever it takes to get there. And that does require imagination to have a vision that's so captivating that, you know, it's, it's almost like you can, you're there in your mind, but your body just has to follow. And that's where the, the intention comes from deciding I am going to realize this vision. And once you decide the means are, you'll look and it's, all over the place. The means are there. Even to get back to this book, even for Wade Watts, who's a poor kid that doesn't have any any capacity to, to do anything, even leaving his own neighborhood. He's stuck. But because he has a vision, he's decided this is my one shot. Then he discovers, here's all the things I can do to, to get there, to win this thing. Yeah. The vision helps him to survive his life, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So I know Wade was basically an atheist um, mm-hmm. or maybe agnostic. But yeah, he he very dystopian, like said that he didn't believe in God, as you mentioned before. But if he were a Christ follower, what sort of spiritual discipline or disciplines do you think he would invite us to do in order to grow in the ways that he did? I think the discipline of study and that's and I mean studying scripture. Mm. That would probably be primary for him, uh, so that he can get to know the mind of James Holiday for us, the mind of God, the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably the best uh, beginning point is to start there and to read and at least begin to familiarize ourselves with the interest of this person. There's a quote that I pulled from the book, if I can read it real quick. Yeah. Uh, This is in chapter five. He says, for the past five years, I've devoted all of my free time to learning as much as I possibly could about James Holiday. I'd exhaustively study his life, accomplishments, and interests. Over a dozen different holiday biographies had been published in the year since his death, I read them all. Several documentary films had also been made about him. I studied those too. I'd studied every word Holiday had ever written. 
I'd played every video game he'd ever made. I took notes, writing down every detail I thought might be related to the hunt. I kept everything in a notebook, which I started calling my grail diary. The more I learned about Holiday's life, the more I'd grown to idolize him. He was a god among geeks, a nerd uber deity on the level of Gygax, Garriott, and Gates. And so you, you kind of see in that phrase the discipline of, of study and engagement that will at least set you off on different uh, journeys. But I think that'd be a primary place to start if he were a Christian and kind of telling people, here's how I would go about discovering the treasures that are hidden in life with God is you have this Bible. I would familiarize myself with it. I would obsess and pour over it. And especially look as a, as a pastor, one of my biggest struggles I'll say, or annoyances is probably a better word is when I'm preaching and I have to give so much background information on major characters like Elijah you know, because people aren't familiar with our own scriptural narratives and our heritage. Mm. And and so I think there's an opportunity for people who for people who say, I would like to be like Jesus. The easiest thing is, well, here's where I can learn the most about Jesus. And as you do that, you'll discover what Jesus studied, the kind of things Jesus did, the places Jesus would go and how he would be when he was there. And you'll just uncover so many things that are, that give you enough to do that will last a lifetime. I remember when I learned that Jesus referenced Deuteronomy and Isaiah, and I think Jeremiah more than any other book. Hmm. Well, immediately I'm like, okay, well, let me read Deuteronomy, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. Because if, they, if these books formed Jesus's thinking more than any other books, then if I want to be like him, I better read what he read and know him like he knew them. And, and I think Wade would say that's that's what I would do, too, because that's in this book. That's what he did. He obsessed over everything uh, that this man produced and everything that was said about him, everything he created. And in that process, he transformed and he at least his worldview became a James Holiday worldview. And reading scripture, I think, would have the same impact for us. That's so powerful. Yeah. It's like do this and then go and do likewise. <laughs> You know? Yeah, exactly. Wow. So when talking about the discipline of study, scripture study, scriptural study, how would you suggest we can go about practicing it other than just, you know, opening our Bibles and reading? Do you have any tips for? Yeah, I, I, I often do recommend because the Bible is a it is a boring book if you just pick it up and open it. it. It doesn't for many people, it doesn't have the intrigue of Harry Potter or something like that, right? But the reason for that is because it's so removed from our context that we don't get it. A lot of people don't understand when a joke is being made, for instance, because they don't joke like we joke. So I often recommend that people read the Bible within a community of people and having at least someone there who is familiar enough with it that they can help set the context and help help us understand what's happening there that's when it becomes interesting, you know? So that's that's the recommendation I would give to definitely open it up and read. But if you can read it in the midst of a, of a community that also has similar desires and interests, and there's someone there that can answer questions and, and help you see that something's taking place here that you should pay attention to, that will open up our minds to familiarize ourselves with how the text was written. And then we'll begin to spot some of those things 
um, ourselves. I'm currently one of the guys that's doing that for me now is a man named uh, Dr. Michael Heiser. He's an expert in the Old Testament, particularly this idea called the the Divine Council worldview. And just by listening to his podcasts and a few of his sermons and reading his books, now I'm starting to see things in the Old Testament that I didn't see before. So he's kind of like become a community in which I read the Old Testament. And because of him, the Old Testament is becoming an even more interesting book because he's given me eyes to see the world the way an ancient Israelite might see the world. That's so good. I have two thoughts. I actually, what you said about reading the Bible in community, I just heard on uh, the podcast, Faith and Doubt, AJ Swoboda mm-hmm. say the same thing, which I think is is very powerful because, you know, as you know, we people have used the Bible to say basically anything that they want. Yep. And to supposedly back it up with scripture. So uh, one thing that I have really learned through Renovari Institute, actually, is how the, you know, we were talking about learning how to become Christ-like by by studying Jesus and his life and then doing the things that he does and thinking the way he thinks and stuff. I didn't realize, I guess, as much as I do now that, you know, everything in the Old Testament points toward Jesus. Yeah. So there's this Christophanes, I guess you would call it Mm -hmm. or something that just throughout the whole text. And so now when I read the old Testament, I, I try to look for those and I, I know there's so many more than I can even, even identify. So doing something like with what you're doing with Michael Heiser, that, that would be really good. Yeah. And I think it's necessary because the Bible is such a complex book well, it's like the old phrase, it's it's a it's water that is shallow enough for an infant to uh, to swim in, but deep enough for an expert diver to to dive without discovering the depths of it. So mm. but we, we have to avail ourselves of the resources that will help us keep on deepening in our understanding of it. And but thanks be to God, those resources are available if we have the vision that would say life with Christ is possible. And then we intend to have that life. Then you'll discover like, okay, I can begin this way and I can continue that way and keep on growing deeper and deeper in these different opportunities. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. So you talked a bit about how you've personally practiced study and I really like, like what you said, what kind of fruit have you seen in your own life from studying scripture? Yeah. You know, immediately, some of the things that started happening is, I guess the best way to say it is a different conversation started taking place in my mind, right? So I remember when I first started doing scripture memorization, I started with Colossians 3, 1 through 17. And uh, and it, it, it talks about laying aside anger, wrath, malice, etc. And I remember one thing that just happened is when something would happen and I had the opportunity to respond and with rage or something, I just hear that in my mind. Like Paul said, lay aside anger, wrath. Now, sometimes I'd still re- respond in anger, but there is a different conversation taking place that let me know there's a different way to respond. You don't have to respond in anger. You could lay aside anger and respond in persistent love or something. So the immediate impact for me was that there is another voice in my head giving me different ways to to act or to think about 
uh, a situation. And the more that I read scripture, the more that voice overwhelms my own voice that's trained to react in, uh, that was trained to react in worldly ways. You know, it's, it's kind of like the story in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, in Daniel chapter three, they're in this situation where um, Nebuchadnezzar has all these instruments blowing, but they don't bow down when everyone else bows down when the music is being played. And I like to think that in their voice, they heard a, a small voice saying, you don't have to bow down. And for me, scripture became that small voice that gave me another option. And the more I engage with scripture, the, the louder that voice becomes so that sometimes I don't have to think really long and hard like, should I respond in anger or, you know, it becomes more automatic because it's because my life has now been transformed and my worldview is changing to the degree that uh, some of these habits are becoming automatic. Whereas before they, they I only engaged in them through a lot of thought and deliberation. Then I decided, ah, I guess I will forgive that person, <laughs> you know. So that was the immediate thing for me, uh, a second conversation partner in my head that suggested another option. And that's why scripture memorization is so important, so that the voice, the biblical voice, whoever that is, if it's Jesus or whomever pops up when we yeah. face these situations. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I believe that with all my heart. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's good. So tying this back in with Wade Watts and his growth journey, how do you think his use of study of Halliday and all of the things that he liked ultimately helped him grow in the end? Yeah, so these, the hints or the clues for discovering this Easter egg, they were, they were clues that Everybody who had a kind of interest in the 80s or 90s or video game culture uh, would understand the reference. But there's always a twist to those clues based off of holidays thinking, you know. And so that that turned out to be the main difference. Everyone was like, you know, just really pouring themselves over these these clues for years. I think in the book, it took five years before they discovered the answer to the mm -hmm. first clue without giving anything away. The way he discovered the answer to the first one was totally like based off of his engagement with holiday's life. And so he's he's just sitting in a class and then it just occurs to him. This word means that thing and, and, da, 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 and all of a sudden it makes sense to him. And it's it's specifically because of how he engaged with James Holiday's life and because he, he began to think like him that the clue began to make sense. And he was able to figure out like, oh, oh, of, of course, you know, he had this, this eureka uh, moment. And, and so I think, you know, from that quote I just read, reading every biography, playing every video game, loving what he loved, engaging in what he engaged, it led him to think like he thought, discover the clues that he'd hidden, become essentially become like James Holiday in the mm -hmm. Oasis and, you know, and have a good time at it, I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's the parallel for us that, you know, we become Christ-like, we study, it becomes automatic, and it just becomes, yeah. it's it's essentially us embodying, yeah. right, Christ's yeah. life into our own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the scripture says, let this mind be in you. Who was that was also in Christ Jesus, right? In uh, Philippians chapter two, so it's it's the same idea of 
And if you want this prize, and of course, in, in Christianity, the prize is not material. Uh, it's so much better than that, but it's a rich life. In order to get that life, it comes straight from Jesus. And so Paul says to the Philippians, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Well, how's that? How's the mind of Christ going to get um, into us? Well, it's by constant engaging uh, in relationship and obedience that eventually we just discover like, oh, my goodness, that's something that you, and I hope every Christian has this experience once in their life when you're surprised by your own Christ-like response. You know, that's a sign of the spirit at work within you, raising up the mind of Christ in such a degree where your own mind is transforming to think and feel and act like Jesus would. And that in, in the book, and I, I know I'm reading this thing pastorally, but I definitely see something like that happening in Wade Watts' life because he approaches it differently than most other people approach it. They approach it like a, a New York Times crossword puzzle. <laughs> he approaches it like, who wrote this crossword puzzle? And if I can see the world like they saw it, solving their puzzle is going to be, that's going to be a, a cakewalk for me. Yeah. And that's why Wade Watts is such a good example to us. And we, yeah. we have a lot to learn from him. Yeah. Yeah. A lot to not learn too, but there's, well, a, yes. <laughs> there's a lot to learn for sure. But we, we can take the truth of it and, and run yeah, with spit, it, right? spit out the bones. Exactly. Yes. Well, exactly. Meshach, this has been so rich. Thank you so much. Yeah. You too. This was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Meshach for giving us insight on what being a disciple means. Just as Wade Watts from Ready Player One became a disciple of James Halliday to not only know him, but to have his worldview and to become like him, we become a disciple of Jesus to become like him. You can find a link to Meshach's curated blogs, videos, and sermons on this episode's page on our website. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Fiction That Forms Us. To read articles, learn more about this episode's guest, as well as what we've discussed, visit fictionthatformsus.com. Connect with us on social media through Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to those also on our website. This podcast was produced by Rob Lahoda. Our theme music is All Flame from the Carolyn Aarons album Recognition. Learn more at carolynaarons.com. May God grace us with more of his presence as we learn to fully live in the kingdom of God by aligning our will with God's will. Until next time, omnia corda inflammate. Set every heart on fire. <laughs>